Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Symbolism of the Masters, particularly because it's the ushering in of spring, which then means summer. Mm. I love the colors. I love the beauty of the course, the landscaping, the flowers, the Georgia theme, the you know all of it. The music and the commentating just kills me. I hate it. The commentating? At the Masters. Yes, yeah. I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's very, oh, very it's classy. Just, it's just vomit. No, I like the commentating. I'm somewhat with you on the deal, but even today, like they were, you know, they did the whole 11 a.m. and went to national, and they did the drive, and they had the weird filter on it where it looks like a dreamscape kind of thing. Yeah, the whole deal. Give it all to me. Uh, just, Do you love it? Oh, just let me jump in. And, and it's not that I don't know what's happening. I realize I'm being just you know played, but I love it. I love mm. it. Okay. You love Jim Nance? I love Jim Nance doing golf. Okay. Oh, yeah. Jim Nance is the greatest golf commentator ever. See, I like Jim Nance when he's actually commentating on the golf that's happening. The ins and outs of it, though, oh, I don't know. He's dude. the I just, best at, man. Uh, maybe just, I just have no soul. His but I, Belvedere I, voice. He's, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's one of the all-time greats. But I just don't like the... The Jim Nance, Tom Rinaldi, like we're dripping with romanticism about the putts. And, uh, I, just don't like I love how understated it is. I love everything. Is not the fact that it's so understated make it overstated, though? Yes. Ugh. Okay. I yes. just really want a pimento sandwich. That's all I've been hearing about. Man, I heard about the egg salad. Do you an egg salad sandwich, man? I'm not. I'm mm. not. I'm not. Stinky. I'm trying to think if there's one sandwich I don't like. You know what one sandwich I don't really go for? I'll eat it. Reuben. Reuben. I don't like a Reuben either. Sour cream. We have some I? people that I know are watching and listening yeah. that just threw the remote at the television. Just screaming at us about uh, that. Uh, mm-hmm. well, you know what? It should be fine. You know what I don't like? Cucumbers. You know who does? 
My Everybody. son. <laughs> Kai loves cucumbers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what? We're at a meal. Hey, bud. Oh, trust me. That's been the battle of the Nuanas household. I like pretty much everything, but I don't like mushrooms. My brother mm. loves mushrooms. No, I, love, I mushrooms. love olives. He hates olives. Oh, it's perfect. So, we've been arguing over the mushroom olive on the pizza for since for 30 years. If only if only somebody invented how to do half. Yeah, half. well, huh? you know, it's you know? complicated sometimes. Man, I bet, I bet a pizza company could make a million bucks with that idea. <laughs> okay, I got, uh, I got a stat for you about the Masters. Okay, well, hold on quickly. Okay, okay. okay. just quick leaderboard. Paul Casey out in front of everybody. Now, there are still a bunch of golfers on the course. Uh, we got a late start, almost a two-and-a-half-hour, I think, delay this morning because of rain and, and uh, inclement weather. It looked great, though. The course played uh, a little bit easier today in general because of that, uh, a little wet ball holding on the greens and so on paul casey seven under 65 he's up by two three are tied at five under webb simpson webb simpson xander shoffley and justin thomas who is uh through 10 so he's still got eight to go jt does he's five under matsuyama westwood ustazen patrick reed one tiger eldrick woods as well what's as the Matthew final? Wolf and adam scott are all four under so, oh so is okay, fratelli so, from so, South so tell me what's it par 72 Part of 72. 68s for uh, Wolf and, and Tiger. That's right. And then, uh, by, no, by the way, Matthew Wolf, four mm-hmm. under through 11, still on the course. Adam Scott through 10. Are they 10, finishing today? Still on. You know, that's a good question because it is, it's 7 o'clock on the East and they, Coast. And they started way late because it was. That's what I'm saying. That's why they're still on the course. Now, let's be clear. We're here in Montana. We're a couple hundred miles north of Toronto. They're down there near the equator in Augusta, Georgia. So they get a little more sunlight this time of year than we get around here. I don't know, though. I don't know where we're at in terms of darkness and if we're going to have to pick this up tomorrow morning and that kind of thing. I would think that these guys are going to want to obviously get in as much as they possibly can because conditions are pristine right now, pristine. One question I have, Coulter, okay. we're up against it. If you have a situation like this where guys got to go finish the round, they have to leave the pins in those spots for Shh. to finish it out, right? Yes. I mean, you couldn't move the pins. You can't pins. just play seven holes on Friday pins. And, and then, then eighteen more on right. Pelicans. Yeah, I know you're right. So, but so they they'd have to move them, but then they're going to have to d- delay while the grounds crew goes out and moves the pins around for the, for the second round, right? Okay, okay. You wanted to ask me something. Well, I got a, I got a masters uh, a cool little masters tidbit. Okay, so Jack Nicholas famously won his eighteenth and final masters in 1986 at the 18th and final major major which was a masters right 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 yeah it seemed like he won 18 masters because he actually did win the masters six Six times um but he won his 18th and final major in 1986 when he was 46 years old okay he was uh it, it was 23 years from his first masters in 1963 wow and he came into the tournament as the 33rd ranked player in the world tiger eldrick woods uh oh! It's been it's been twenty three years since his first Masters title. He has five Masters championships. He is at the ripe old age of forty four, so not quite a couple of years younger. Yeah, he enters the Masters as the thirty third ranked player. Wow. in the world. Wow, that is remarkable. Isn't that crazy? You know, a lot of times I don't I don't put. First of all, the fact that you're still in the top thirty in the world when you're in your forties and even well, you're, you last won the Masters twenty three years ago is just amazing. I, uh, I I don't put a lot of stock into numerology and stuff like that because numbers. How can I put this? 
even if something's one in a million, it's a hundred percent that it's going to land on something. So it's not remarkable sure. that right. it, you know. And like, so you it can, crazy we have the same birthday. No, it's a one out of three hundred sixty-five <laughs> yes, chance. Right. Yes. On my Facebook, four friends right now. We're having a birthday. Congratulations. Okay, so there's there's a lot of ways that people go. Well, can you believe this? Well, can you believe that? Tim Tebow. Yeah, John 316 written on his eye black. Threw for 316 yards. Average 31.6 yards per reception. But he completed 10 balls. That's 10 divided, 316 divided by 10. Now, it is uh, it is remarkable in a certain it's way that he lands on 316. But it's just not, you know, I don't know. But that right there, what you just told me, the comparison of the two, if I may say, best ever, uh, of Nicholas and Woods, to both be 33rd in the world going into their what would be a sixth victory yep. and they're 23 years apart yep. uh, from their first one. That's that's pretty – that's an amazing parallel. It is an amazing parallel. Two more th- quick stats on Tiger because, okay. you know, Tiger, it's Tiger's world. We're just living in it. One, Tiger's next victory this weekend or otherwise will give him 83 PGA Tour victories, which will help him surpass Sam Snead as the all-time winningest golfer in the history of the PGA Tour. That's a record that has – I mean – When's the last time Sam Steed was playing golf? When Dwight Eisenhower was the president? I mean, it's been so long. Mm-hmm. That's a record that stood for... Uh, 100 years. As long as... I mean, let's Sam Sneed won his last tournament. Let's see. I don't even know. Sam Sneed's been dead since 2002, So when he died at 89. So, yeah, I mean, it's been that long. But the other... Um, now I got to remember my other tiger stat. I completely just derailed myself. Oh, don't worry about yourself. Don't worry about it. Oh, this the round of sixty eight was Tiger Woods' best opening round at the Masters in his twenty three Masters appearances. Is that right? Sixty eight is his best first round. Um, tiger Tiger is so famous for closing, feeling it out day yeah. one, assaulting the course day two, steady day three. Slam the door in your face, day four. That's what his masters and by and large his majors victories have been. Or slam the door in your face, slam I the mean, door in your face, slam the door in your face, slam the door. We're never going to see. We're never going to see like what we saw like Pebble Beach in the early two thousands when this dude just like <laughs> beat the rest of the field by fourteen strokes. By the way, going the other way, just to uh, just quickly, Jordan Spieth. Two over seventy four doesn't sound that bad, but he's seventy second out of a ninety one player field, mm. and uh, also through ten Brooks Kapka two over Brooks Kapka, who you know all he does is win majors, but the last couple of majors been not a lot of Kapka sightings out there. So there you go, uh, Roy McIlroy even par. Uh, he is uh, through nine on the day so far. So there you go. There's a Masters update. They're playing it. We're happy about it. We can't take a break. Hour number two, straight ahead. What's going to happen in hour number two on Thursdays? Do you remember, boys and girls? We talk NFL because it's the NFL week straight out there ahead of us. Week 10 begins tonight, Indianapolis and Tennessee, an AFC South divisional matchup on Thursday night football. We'll take a look at all the numbers pertaining to those games right after this. Speaking of sports, since they're back, you need a place to watch them. You should go to the Silver Slipper. The Silver Slipper has 55 televisions to watch any game you want on. NFL, college football, the Masters, whatever you want, they'll put it on for you. Drink specials every single day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, pizza, everything you need. They got it. This is where you should be watching your favorite team. Have the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. 
By the way, the card room is back and open every night at 7 o'clock, so call or text 333-1500, 333-1500 for more information, or visit MissoulaPoker.com. Stop by today. See why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. They're right there next to the Country Club on Brooks. Beautiful spot on the south end of town. Get in to the Silver Slipper. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. How do you feel about the picks in your master's pool, Holter? Oh, first place. How do you know? Because the commissioner sent out the standings already. You can't send out standings yeah, yet. He, he said a, the first round's he, no, not he even said, over. He said with a caveat, I have... The commissioner is is the most famous man in Montana. Yes, Ben he is. Weinman. Ben Weinman. The Shout out. Great, By the way, the great Ben Weinman. Speaking of, I think it's a birthday for our dear friend is ben it Ben's today. Birthday? Yeah. Happy what birthday. are the chances, Coulter? Happy birthday, Commissioner Ben. Commissioner Ben. So he sent out the standings. Sent out the standings, and he said with a caveat, boys, I have the five thirty news to attend to, and the round is not finished. But here's the standings as of right now. Okay. So. Uh, I'm in first, you're in second. No. Yeah? I'm in first, you're in second. Oh, okay. You always do this. Two tell, out in front. (laughs) Let's end the Masters right now. Put the money in my pockets. Two tell and Nuwana is 1029 ESPN Radio. Didn't I already? I paid your entry fee. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. You owe me. You owe me a couple, multiple bets you owe me. Uh, that's true. I actually owe you my entire life. No, that's false. You owe me, uh, well, if we take the $6 for the entry fee off, $34. Nice. Nice. <laughs> You'll be getting paid in free Desperado wings, free Dummies teriyaki, free Florence oh, Coffee man. Company. Thank you. And, and actual cash. That's what I'm that's what I'm well, here for. You know, um, take me about six weeks to earn thirty-four dollars around here. Oh stop. Stop <laughs> with this. Uh if you missed anything in hour number one, check it out on the podcast. The two tell nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and enjoy. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Man, I am crushing the field in this little game we got, I got going. This is great. I got two questions for you. Okay, hold on. Okay. 361-3688 is your phone number. Call us or text us. We're happy to have your interaction here on the show this afternoon and now into this evening, as it were. 361-3688, all guests. Join us via the Ranch Brothers RV phone line. Okay, Coulter, what is your question? First of all, you were doing a fundraiser for your sister's baby house. The yes. Other, uh, the other night while we were drafting, yep. and I challenged all our uh, equally rich friends in the local media yes. to donate. Did yes. anybody donate? I don't know the answer to I that. Did. You did? I did. Oh, God bless you, Colter. Yeah, yes. I mean, my your sister, sister is my favorite, too, Tell. Well, although your brother's been my best friend since I was six, and yeah. uh, you are my now uh, life mentor. 
It's easy. Still, Kelsey, that's my favorite. It's easy to like her from 10,000 miles away. Definitely. Well, that's right. Now, yeah. I only have my impression of her when I was a child and she was a teenager. That's right. Big fan of the chick who doesn't know sports, Kelsey. Is. She is. Yes. She's a huge fan. Yes. Uh, and uh, got a little, little overwhelmed, a little flush when she might thought she might have the opportunity to meet Carolyn on the uh, WhatsApp. Okay. So, can, uh, okay, so I guess to to finish this point though, can yes. people still donate to that? Certainly. Yeah. I think that we should tell people about it real quick. Well, Ryan's sister okay. runs a baby house in South Africa. They take in uh, orphans and provide them a better life, right? Yeah. And you can donate online. All you gotta do is go to Facebook, search Grace Like Rain, and. Great. That's right. Grace Lake Rain donate. is her uh, her her nonprofit. There's a, there's a couple of them, but there's only one that's like kind of a South African deal. It's easiest on Facebook. You can go there and check it out and watch the video if you care to. But yeah, my sister, uh, uh, you know, doing doing the good work uh, down in South Africa, and there's. The babies uh, that are available outstrip the demand for them, sadly, in South Africa. It no can be the case a, a lot of places, but certainly there it's particularly out of whack. And so she takes in uh, the really little ones, the zero to mm-hmm. to one infant types of uh, babies that sadly sort of and in very literally land on doorsteps at you know places whether it's hospitals and so forth and need a place to go and she's uh, created a space for safety and love and care for those kiddos and so uh, I commend her for that certainly and the good news is the U.S. dollar goes a very long way against the South African rand there you go. so you can uh, you know you can make a difference on that whole thing so thanks Coulter very kind of you to bring that up Appreciate question that. number two yes. The news of the day is Samari Torre. Sure. Transferring out Transferring of the University of Montana. Montana. Mm-hmm. He's going to grad transfer. He's going to get an array of offers. Yes. But it's a two-part question. Okay. Just how good is Samari Torre on a collegiate level, and what are Samari Torre's NFL prospects? And I guess, are those NFL prospects increased by transferring? I think uh, I, I would say he is a very good collegiate wide receiver. Uh you have to be a great to elite collegiate wide receiver to me to have an NFL prospect. Mm-hmm. He could be that mm-hmm. if he developed the way he did, say, from from his sophomore year to his junior year. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's development, maybe it's opportunity. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to tell which is which. I do think this, though. Uh, we've seen Cooper Cup, Kendrick Bourne be wide receivers, notably from the same school, go in and be successful wide receivers in the NFL. Obviously, the others have done it. I mean, we don't want to sit here and start talking about Randy Moss and Jerry Rice, but there you go, okay? But if you're talking about, especially now, marking yourself out, proving that you can do it, because here's the, yeah, go back and forth, but it is not necessary to go to you know, the FBS level or the power five level to get into the NFL. Of course we, we realize that mm-hmm. I think scouts NFL people are, are pretty open and don't quote unquote, hold it against guys coming out of the FCS. I do think there's a very real once you're in camp, who's better type of mentality yep. that exists in the NFL, not at just a place or two, but I think largely. And so I don't think coaches, evaluators care once you're there where you came from. Um, so, but, but getting there, perhaps honing your skills 
and perhaps proving at a certain level even to yourself that you can do it at that level. I mean, what do we know about Samari Toure? He was he was not recruited out of Portland area by Oregon, Oregon State, okay, by Washington. Or, or even Portland State. Or, or even Portland State. So, you know, I think that certainly there's a chip on your shoulder, but also you go, well, well how good am I really? And he comes in and he proves how good he is, all-American level good at the FCS level, and I think that there's a desire to try and prove that at the next level to yourself to some extent too. I'm speaking obviously just almost through my own mentality. This may not at all be how he, you know how he's wired. But I do think, let's put it like this. I think it has, I think it can improve your chances to go to the league. I think it can also hurt your chances to go to the league. And it really is dependent on circumstance. So you, you have to get it right in terms of where you go. You got to be really sure that, hey, this is, I'm going to have the opportunity here to go and perform and play on and, and play, you know, and play on Saturdays. Here's my evaluation of Samari Torre. First of all, I think he's a late bloomer physically. Mm. He got significantly faster during his time at the University of Montana. Significantly faster. Noticeably faster. I mean, he, he went to a Nike camp when he was a, in high school and he ran a 4.71. He runs significantly faster than a 4.71 now. Yeah. I think that he is an absolutely high-level route runner in, in the fluidity of his yes, routes. It's his it's his he, best receiving trait, isn't he, it? The the, the 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 I'm gonna try to explain this in the in the least scout speak the most articulate way that I can. Samari Torre has the ability to have his upper body be incredibly violent in its movements while he's running routes, while his lower body is completely stable and smooth, and his footwork is impeccable. Mm-hmm. That's what makes him so great. Like when he runs that out and up, his upper body is so violent in the way that he breaks you off, but his legs are so smooth, and so that that's why he can run by you. Even if I don't think he he's has, not losing momentum, he's not using uh, and, and, excess uh, energy going in the wrong direction. Our seats in the press box, at the University of Montana are right next to the scouts. I always make sure to talk those guys up. Yeah. Because I think that they're just hilarious, first of all, but I love talking to them about their valuations. One scout last year told me, he said, I think this kid's a poor man's Devontae Adams. Mm. He's obviously a very poor man's Devontae Adams right now. I mean, Devontae Adams is one of the great receivers on the planet right now. Yeah. And Devontae Adams is a four four forty guy. And I don't I mean he, he I mean he's pretty quick. He's fast. He's yeah, really fast. Tori's not he's sev- several steps slower than than Devontae Adams. But I think it is a good comparison in the not that big, not that small, just kind of medium-sized receiver that has great fluidity, really good in and out of his breaks. I think that Torrey needs to get better at attacking the ball. He's good, but he's not great. That's where Cup sets himself apart. Cup goes and gets it no matter what. Cup is getting the ball. Cooper Cup is going to get the ball. That's one thing I think he needs to work on, and I think that he needs to continue to get bigger, faster, stronger, just like yeah. just like everybody. But in terms of his increased uh, opportunity, I think it's it's that is such a, a fascinating analysis mm-hmm. because on one hand, bigger stage, better competition, maybe a better chance. On the other hand, though, maybe not nearly as many opportunities. You can dominate a small school level rather than maybe going to just being a you know a fifty catch for eight hundred yard guy somewhere else. But would he have been able to replicate the numbers he had last year? Because the dudes who are still with the University of Montana are all better, and they're all going to get some more balls. And he actually had the opportunity to be the go-to guy with Sammy and Cam on the shelf last year, too. Let me ask you this. Two telling the one is one of two. The other thing you got to mention, radio. too, is that Dalton Sneed's injury boosted Smart Troy's numbers, too. 
because that that's ten less plays that they're running zone reads or letting yeah. Dalton Snead get out on the edge. There was a time where Dalton Snead couldn't really move, but he could go one, two, three. But of course, it. you can, you can only have your opportunities boosted if you have the ability to have your opportunities boosted. True, and he did. Let me ask you this: uh, the best wide receiver to come out of the Big Sky Conference the last couple of years, I think, is probably Keelan Doss. Yes, Keelan Doss. Mm, this is a good question. Is an NFL. Borderline. Player, like yeah. camp player who, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we we saw the run that he got on Hard Knocks. With, he, he's, with on the pra- he's, on the, he's on the Raiders practice squad right now. He's on the And he's on the practice squad right now, mm-hmm. okay? And I think people look at him and go, well, he's he got a lot of the measurables. He certainly had the production of anybody that you could possibly have. 315-plus catches and, in college. And people will say, you know what? If you're the best wide receiver in the Big Sky Conference, you're almost good enough to be an NFL player, but not quite. But now, first of all, again, you can't go to Cooper Cup every time. He's the anomaly. Like, <laughs> this, this isn't the, this isn't dude, the bar mean, to use to set here with Cooper dude, Cup, okay? Cooper, Cooper Cup was good enough to be one of the top 10 slot receivers in the NFL from his sophomore year at Eastern Washington on. Straight up. He, he was, man. In terms of purely playing the slot and running option routes out of the slot in a spread system, Cooper Cup is the single best slot receiver in the NFL. So, point being, that's not the bar, okay? But I would say also, when you get to the NFL level, like people will say, well, is the best is the best wide receiver in the Big Sky Conference an NFL player? Mm-hmm. A lot of years, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Some years, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And in one case, the answer was emphatically yes. Right. Um, the point is, is there isn't a level at which this is what it means to be the best player in the big sky. Every year, or the best receiver in the big sky, every year, somebody will be that. And it's an open question as to whether that person is actually good enough to play in the league. And by the way, there's certain years, there might be a few. Might be a couple, three. I mean, Other there's a few years, years there's where there's be a few on the same team. Right. Kendrick Bourne and Cooper That's Cup right. both start in the NFL. They started on the same college team together. So what I'm saying is, is whether or not being the best, the big sky is good enough to be in the league isn't the question to ask. The question is to ask this. Is Samari Toure good enough to play in the NFL? Yeah. Is Keelan yeah. Doss yep. good enough yep. to play yep. in the NFL? So two things there. One. I think this is a hard pill for college football fans to swallow. But production is so far down the list in what NFL teams use to evaluate talent. They Mm, want measurables, intangibles, film, and and personality, competitiveness, and then maybe production. It's why DK Metcalf is is who he is. Like, no one cared that DK Metcalf caught. Well, some people did care that he didn't. Right, right, sure, sure, sure. But there's so many things that go into that. The coaches and and all these different things. I mean, Jake Luton just started a game in the NFL. He couldn't even start at the University of Idaho. I mean, sometimes there's things that are outside of your control. Yeah. So, Samari Torre, say he goes to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Say he's the third or fourth receiver at Oregon. He catches 35, 40 passes. Puts up nowhere close to the numbers he would have put up at Montana. It doesn't matter. He now he's got film against Pac-12s that the NFL can evaluate. Okay, that's one portion of it. And then it's all going to be about what does he do when they put him on the gun? What does he do when he performs in front of scouts? How does he do in interviews? All right. those sorts of things. Right. What's his upward trajectory from an athletic standpoint? Second thing, when you compare him and Keelan Doss, that's actually a really good comparison because they're nowhere the same. But what do they bring to the table that is NFL good? Keelan Doss has, has absolutely size, size. advantage. Yeah, Keelan he's, Doss he's is, is 6'4", 210. 
He's got significantly better ball skills than Samari Touré. But he also played in a much different system that gave him a completely elevated level of productivity. I mean, it, it was just see ball, get ball. I mean, he, he's just moving all over the field. They're just isolating him on FCS corners and just throwing him the ball. Yeah. Over the middle, drag routes, you know, little stick screens, all sorts of things where he was just... I mean, he caught he caught at least thirty passes a year. There were two yard throws yeah. where he's just making something happen. Yeah, and so the productivity is not is not the same comparison. What the Grizz have been running in terms of what they do with their wide receivers is actually very NFL style. Their wide receivers run NFL style route trees. The way that they get up and go, they read coverages on the fly. The way that they run option routes, that's all very NFL. That's actually something that Bobby Houck doesn't get enough credit for. I know this is Tim Rosenbaugh's system, but the, the Grizz receivers back in the 2000s were doing this quite a bit too. But Smart Torre doesn't have the size Keelan Doss has, doesn't have the ball skills Keelan Doss has, but he's a significantly more fluid player, and that is so important to NFL scouts. Keel, I mean, Keelan Doss and Hunter Renfro were going at it for the same position yeah. for, with the Raiders. Hunter yeah. Renfro is nothing. I mean, he's tiny. He's yeah. not really even that fast. Yeah. But what does he do? He breaks you off every single time because yeah. his route running is so good. Yeah. That's where Cup separates himself, too. I mean, Cup ran a 4.65 at the combine. He's not even close to the fastest receiver in the league. In fact, he's one of the slowest. But it doesn't matter because you can't guard him because he's just going to break you off. Yeah. If Torre, that's where he takes the next step, is if he if he hones his route running even more, and which I think that's the one thing where transferring to the next level helps you because now you're going against four-star corners every day. At the University of Montana, I mean, don't get me wrong, their DBs are, are fine, but going against converted wide receivers in practice every day is not the same thing as going against some yeah. dude who's, you know, California All-State four-star recruit at Cal or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah, It's to tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. It was better. We needed to do a little bit more on, on Samari Toure right there with, the again, the news of the day if you're just joining us, Samari Toure. Uh, entering the transfer portal, leaving the University of Montana football team. He will be playing, uh, according to his tweet, in the 2021 season uh, on a grad transfer elsewhere. So uh, that is what has sort of led us into all of this. We will get into some NFL stuff, though, pick some games, have a little bit of fun with the professional side of this thing next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Who 
out of the league. It means to tell the one is one of two ninety ESPN radio, SWX Montana Television at Gus Tutel at one of two ninety ESPN at Skyline Sports MT, irrelevant Twitter handles. If you want to listen on the World Wide Web, you go to our website, 1029ESPN.com. You go on there and uh, you jump in the stream all the time. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You can also sign up for our big giveaway this month. Uh, sign me up to give away a William Henry pocket knife. It is a collector's pocket knife from RP Ellis Fine Jewelry. It is a spectacular piece. You go onto our website, you sign up for that by picking your favorite, uh, your Super Bowl uh, favorite right now, and give us one word as to why you think your team will win the Super Bowl uh, in uh, this year's NFL uh, uh, championship game. Coulter, we're going to get in the NFL here in just a moment, but because uh, we, we talked about National Signing Day or the opening to this early period of National Signing Day yesterday. And a couple more signees that are uh, significant across the state of Montana have uh, have come to the fore in the last 24 hours. Well, you mentioned those Western Montana kids, Alex Germer, Hunter Meisen, Sage Brooks, and Claire Kovach. A couple others worth noting. Missoula Sentinels, Grace Hardy, signed with the Grizz softball team yesterday. So that's okay. cool for the uh, local. I, there's been some Montana girls on the Grizz softball team. I'm not quite sure if there's been a Missoula girl right. on the Grizz softball team since they brought softball back at the University of Montana. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yesterday, we reported that Haley Heward was the only letter of intent in for the Lady Grizz. But in fact, Danny Barch's letter came through as well. Danny Barch is standout at Helena Capital. Uh, so her twin sister, Paige Barch, she signed with Boise State Volleyball. So that's pretty cool. Right. The twins going different ways. But Danny Barch, um, I'm very intrigued by her because I actually think, just like her sister, that her better sport as of right now is volleyball. Mm. But she's really 6'2", and she can really jump. And that's a rare combination for the Big Sky Conference. So I think she has an incredible upside when it comes to uh, basketball. Women's soccer team at the University of Montana, they signed eight yesterday, including one in-state product, and that's Kalispell Flathead's uh, Skylie Thompson. So that, that's always cool when a Montana girl gets a shot with the the in-state team. And I think they only – so now they keep their Montana core going because they have Quinn Peacock from Missoula Sentinel. Mm-hmm. Alexa Coyle set to graduate, and now they have an incoming one. So they still have a couple in-state girls on the University of Montana soccer team. Um, as we mentioned yesterday, the men cats, they signed the, the four uh, – Prospects, including Alex Jerber, but also signed Sam Lechtolt and uh, Patrick McMahon from Alaska, as well as your guy, Great Ansahar. Great. Uh, Lady Cats, they ended up signing three, including Lindsey Hine, who comes from Forsyth. And uh, we were talking about maybe there's some uh, letter or two coming in late for the University of Montana, but that is not the case. Confirmed some through some sources close to the program that Montana will not sign anybody during this early period. They are going to wait and see what they got. They have just the two seniors, Michael Stedman and Cam Satterwhite, and uh, most of the roster is freshmen and, and sophomores. I mean, they have – Very young. They, count them up. They got, what, six sophomores? Yeah. Because they have the three guys that were true freshmen last year, but then also Eddie Egan's a third-year sophomore. Freddie Brown's a third-year sophomore. So I guess they got five. And then they have the the four freshmen on the team right now, two in uh, Brandon Whitney and Robbie Beasley, and then the two Australians, Hunter Clark and Josh Bannon. So uh, a young Grizz roster, and I think that they're just going to – play with what they got and, and see who wants to come back, who doesn't want to come back, and uh, navigate it like that. Maybe fill a roster spot or two in the spring, but no signees for the men's Grizz basketball team. Very good. Thank you, Coulter. Uh, two telling the one is 102.9 ESPN Radio. Uh, I know that there's, I don't know if controversy is the word, there's certainly internal pushback, not that it's going to have any effect or has, 
on Thursday night football games in the NFL. Not enough time to prepare, this, that, and the third. They seem like they've been less sloppy this year, though. Do you agree? Um, yes. And it seems like there's been less complaining about them as well. Well, I think the complaining about it is as a result of sort of the fate accompli of it. Like, it's it's happening, so what are you <laughs> so, going to do? So be thankful that it's and, happening. And also, you know, frankly, there's, there's a handful of guys in the league right now they don't know not playing on Thursday nights at some point in the season. You know what I mean? That 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 you know they this is just a thing, and they're aware of that. That said, I love Thursday night football. I love it, and I love it particularly when it's a matchup like this. I think they've done a good job of delivering what I would say are not marquee matchups, but are nonetheless important. And this one certainly is AFC South divisional game between clearly the two best teams in the AFC South, and this has very very real right now as we enter the second half of the NFL season playoff implications Tennessee 6 and 2 Indianapolis 5 and 3 the rest of the division a putrid 3 and 13 overall 2 and 6 for Houston 1 and 7 for Jacksonville those those teams are out this is a two horse race in this division very well both these teams may be getting into the the playoffs uh so but you're talking about a home game and and uh, uh, you know winning your division traditionally that has meant a buy. It likely will not mean a buy this season, but nonetheless, uh, it gets you some home field advantage and that kind of thing. Point being, this is interesting. Tennessee opened as a one point favorite. Right now, Indy is the one point favorite. Uh, I believe this game this game is in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Where are you at with this? I, I I don't know what to think about this game, but I'm excited about this game because I feel like both these teams are sort of... I haven't figured either of these teams out yet, I think, yet. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, thought, I, 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 I don't want to... I don't want to read too much into this thought I've been having. Uh-oh. But there's a handful of defenses in the NFL that based on the identity of the defense, the coach, the head coach and the defensive coordinator that employs those defenses, yeah. the personnel that they have, the talent that they have, the reputation that they have, and the way that they should be performing have largely underperformed and or at least at the very least been inconsistent this year. I think the three leaders in the clubhouse have been the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, and... Um, I'll think of my third one okay. in a second. Come oh, the New Orleans Saints. Oh, right. and I think that I think the common factor between all three of those teams has been that they're six and two. Their secondaries, though, <laughs> are supposed <laughs> to be really Buffalo good. Their their secondaries have supposed to be really good, and instead they've been pretty inconsistent. Mm. We talked about the Bills. They have, uh, I think, three out of the four guys on their team on their in their defensive secondary have been Pro Bowl guys, uh, but they also are in contract years. They've also had a couple guys that have been in and out of the lineup. But um, the same thing with the Saints. You know, you got a, Malcolm Jenkins is supposed to be one of the better safeties in the league. You know, they have all these uh, guys with Ohio State ties. These guys have been playing together for even longer than just their time in New Orleans. And then the Titans, they're supposed to be a defensive-minded team, but they've been giving up third down conversions like it's their job. I yeah. mean, uh, uh, on pace to set an NFL record for opponent third down conversion percentage, uh, as of two weeks ago, 60%. But... <laughs> Again, I don't want to lead too much into this, but I don't know if it's because they've reached the midpoint of the season. Teams have had buys and they're just starting to turn the corner or because of the state of affairs of the world at large, particularly when it comes to the election. There's been a, a turning of the corner, and I thought that all three of those teams I just named, 
as well as pretty much defenses that are expected to be good in the NFL across the board have looked better the last two weeks. They have. And I just don't know if that's a coincidence or the timing of it all or whatever, or if they're just finally getting on the same page. We're getting into the flow of the season. Teams are starting to get into elite game shape after an atypical offseason of preparation. I don't really know what the, the common factor is, but Tennessee's defense looked to me like they're supposed to look the last two weeks. Same with the Bills, same with the Saints. And you wonder if they can carry that forward or if those were just high watermarks and it'll go back to being sort of mediocre. Here is where I'm feeling a little bit weird about this game tonight. It's this. I, I sort of realized this as I was trying to analyze it. Mm-hmm. I got Indy winning tonight. Okay. But I think Tennessee is the better team. Yep. And in the playoffs, I would absolutely have a much higher level of belief in what Tennessee could do winning a game. I realize they were just in, you know, the AFC championship game last year. So that is likely the reason that I'm swayed in that direction. But even though I like Indianapolis, and I, I think that Indianapolis, I don't know, I don't know why I like the, the Colts in this game tonight. I mean, the Colts are a good team. The Colts are a very good defense. If you haven't watched the Colts play, their defense is absolutely outstanding. I'm still trying to figure out what it is they're trying to do on offense, why they haven't been as good running the football as I feel like they should have been. Uh, I mean, your boy Jonathan Taylor is not the number one back anymore. Well, it's 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 a rotational thing. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's it, but but it hasn't been no I mean it's I mean I guess the Vikings he had thirty touches and he has had nowhere close to that since that's right that's right so you know it's been it's been a struggle uh, at times on the ground but also they went to the ground after having tried it first through the air and losing you know and now they're going through the air and winning so I don't know what's going on with Indianapolis I really don't I know that this is going to be a good game that this is going to be a fun matchup I'm looking forward to it uh, Colts are a couple other games just around the league. Uh, Pittsburgh is a will open it as a ten and a half point favorite. It's now down to six and a half. I believe that this has to do with the uh, questionable status of one Ben Roethlisberger. He's he, in the COVID he is, protocol. He is going to play, and he he they. I mean he he was. This is a contact tracing thing, and so provided that he has nothing but positive or excuse me negative tests uh, that, that that are clear, uh, he should be available. But Pittsburgh is six and a half point favorite in that game. I like Pittsburgh uh, in that spot. The Green Bay Packers, their big favorites, biggest number on the board over Jacksonville. That I like to see. Thank you very much there. The other games around the league, come regional, Coulter, the Seattle Seahawks. Hear this game on ESPN Radio on Sunday playing the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams opened as a one-point favorite and are now, interestingly, a two-point favorite. It has moved a little bit in the favor of Los Angeles. Seattle obviously coming off of that loss, and halfway through the season, Seattle is the worst pass defense in the history of the NFL. Uh, that is significant. <laughs> Indeed it is. And that is why they are not getting a lot of love, even though they're scoring at this rate. Now, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do the thing I always do. I'm just going to stamp my feet up and down about the Seahawks and how good they are. Um, their defense isn't good. Okay, that's stated. Okay. I would also say their defense is not cataclysmically bad the way the statistics insinuate that they are. They are playing a style this year. They have they never are. played play before. A style. They are going up and down yep. the field, and they are getting into shootouts. And you know what they're getting? Up big on teams that are then going yep. bombs over yep. Baghdad yep. Yep. up yep. and down the field. So you can tell or, me. Or even last week where they were getting drilled, they come back. 
But then that put Buffalo into panic mode. And they with a thirty with a thirty four to ten lead, you never think that the quarterback would then continue to throw and they get over four hundred yards passing. But because the Seahawks caught up, mm-hmm. then the Bills had to kind of go tip for tat That's to close right. that thing out. So again, the Seahawks are not good defensively right now. They are not okay, but they are not historically level bad the way that the statistics sort of dictate that they are. They have not had Jamal Adams. They did have him last week. Obviously, a lot of good that did him. Not. Also, Carlos Dunlap. Okay, that's fine. But I do think that, first of all, when Josh Allen is on, which clearly he was, got John Brown back, that's a real offense that Buffalo has and can, you know, when they when they hit it right, they, they can do it, and they did it. But I'm just not sitting here going, yeah, forget everything you ever thought about Seattle. There's no chance here. The thing is completely and inexorably broken. It's not. And I well, think also, you just mentioned it. It's Jamal Adams. I mean, he's their best player. That's right. He's, he's got to be there. And, and he he was there last week and it sure. didn't work out. But sure. the point is, you do. he is critical. He is critical for this football team. So I am. they still have a ton of work to do. They have to be better defensively to go the other way with it, if they continue to play, you know, not just statistically, but if they don't improve defensively, they are not, they they do not have a Super Bowl chance, okay? But I do believe that they can improve. I do. They have the impetus to do so. I think John Schneider has tried to go out with and get a little bit of help up front to try and take some pressure off that second good secondary. But they got work to do. The on it the way Buffalo was last week could put up 500 yards and 45. They also ha- are prone the Rams at times to kind of not really defensively for whatever reason. It's like if you have the the fix to the elixir that McVeigh is is putting together, and you can sort of figure that thing out. They look real clunky, and I, I as far as I'm concerned, Jared Goff. He he's he's good when things are rolling, but he's not the guy that can fix it on the fly like the great quarterbacks can do. So that is the task of Seattle and frankly the Seattle coaching staff this week to me. I think that the 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 this line is so indicative of the way that the Rams can gash you and how that could happen to the Seahawks. The thing about the style the Seahawks have been playing is I think that one of the only teams in the league that truly well the, the NFL as much as it has progressed offensively in adding spread systems, adding tempo to the offenses, adding mul- multiple sets and mobile quarterbacks and all these college ideas. Still, though, by and large, at least half, if not more than half, of the league is much more comfortable playing twenty four seventeen than they are thirty eight thirty one. They just are. Possession game, keep the possession counts down 55 to 60 plays, not 75 to 80 plays. I think the one of the teams, though, that welcomes getting lured into a shootout is the Rams because the more plays they run, the more the system works, the more that they can use all the mechanisms of the system. The more, I mean, the the Cooper Cup as the central mechanism of that offense, I'm not saying he's the best player. I'm saying he's the one that opens up everything for everybody. When they get can get him the ball 10 times, he gets it in so many different spots that then that makes everything that Robert Woods does better. It makes everything that all of the points of the mechanism better. And also what, I mean, I know you don't like Goff. I know you think he's overrated. Yeah. I know you think he's not, not even rated. No, I, I, I think he's okay, but that's all. But would you agree with this? 
There's no quarterback in the NFL that's better than what his actual baseline is when he's hot than Jared Goff. Jared Goff can look exceptionally good. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I, Jimmy Garoppolo has nowhere close to the ceiling Jared Goff's got. No, no, you're right. Like, when Goff's rolling, he straight rolls. But, here's but the it thing. only happens every once in a while. It happened for a good portion of a season when they went to the Super Bowl. And in my opinion, he ain't rolling. He's got great arm talent. He can deliver the football, but it's got to be set up on a silver platter for him by the coaches and by the scheme. Right, so but that's, when, what I, that's what I'm saying, though, is getting into a high-possession game and a high-play count game is good for him, though, because it's more chances. Well, I mean, because Sean McVay is going to maybe the more plays you run, the more Sean McVay is going to figure out the weaknesses of what you're doing defensively. Well, it's a two way street, though. Sure. You know, but the Seahawks haven't proven that more plays is anything good for their defense. Well, for sure. I mean, in general, more plays is always going to favor the offense, period. Sure. So, you know, that's that's fine. And I, I think that's a very fair point. But it's just, you know, I, I, I think that. The I'm not so concerned with the number of plays that are run in the game, whether it's 45 or whether it's 55 or whether it's even maybe 65 per team. I'm more interested in um, two teams who know each other really well. Sure. What are the wrinkles that McVay is going to attempt to you know use to expose this defense? And and you know what he's saying, right? He's in there going. This is a historically bad defense. We are going to kill this defense. We're going to score 1,000 points because we are never going to be stopped because they are awful. And Seattle is going to say, well, you know, let's see, big boy. Uh, okay, so so far, eight games in. Falcons, Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, Vikings, Cardinals, 49ers, Bills. Those are the eight teams that the South Seahawks have played. Okay. Would you agree that with the exception of the Arizona Cardinals, that the other team that's the most dangerous team to get into a shootout with so far is the Rams? Yeah, I mean more dangerous to get in a shootout with than the Vikings or the Dolphins or the Bills or the Patriots, to be sure. Well, for sure. I mean, I, the the one team oddly that you probably put in there is Atlanta, right? Right. I and mean, they can they can shoot it out. <laughs> and uh, they can't stop anybody, so they're it, they're down to go thirty eight thirty four. That's right. That's right. But um, you know, again, the thing is, is I, I just, it's just so inconsistent with the Rams. They know, can shoot it out with anybody when it's good, but also they don't do it every week. I, I know. I just hearken back. Like last week, the Bills just punched the Seahawks in the face, and it ended up being a high-scoring game, but it wasn't set up to be a shootout like that Sunday night game against the Cardinals was. It was set up to be a shootout, and it was the first time that the Seahawks looked vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, that I think that the style that they play, they're going to be able to drill not drill. They're going to be able to out sprint most of the teams that they play remaining on their schedule. Eagles, yep. Giants, yep. Jets, yep. Washington football team, yep. 49ers, yep. But they have two matchups against the Rams left, including this one, and they have the um, rematch against the Cardinals next week. And I think those are the three games that Arizona has, or that Seattle has the biggest concern in. Well, it. Here's what's so weird, man. The NFC West pulling the the NFC East as one of their non-conference conferences that they're going to play against obviously is a huge boon for the NFC West and makes them look like what they are, which is the best conference in, in, in football. But you don't get to prove anything in those games. The only games that matter are the three games you highlighted. This week against the Rams, next, next week against the Cardinals, and then the rematch against the Rams. Every other game, even the San Francisco game, given what they're where they're at right now, the only it, it, you can win by one or you can win by one hundred as long as you win, and they should and should easily. Every one of them, 
And so they should be, I mean, they should be 13-3 and three at the end of the season. And you know what they're going to be? A huge question mark as to what they actually are against the best teams. They won't have played the Packers. They won't have played the Saints. They won't have played the Bucks. whoever you want to put out there. Right. And, and, then one, and, and by the way, conversely, those teams will not have played Seattle. Sure. So it's... It, it's we're just kind of rolling, but these games matter because the the division is up for grabs. It's up for grabs right now. We'll finish this conversation next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Great Monday night. Keep telling me, Juan is one of the ESPN radio, SWX Montana television. At Gus Tutel at one of the ESPN. That's Gus Sports MT, your relevant Twitter handle. If you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast. The Tutel Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and listen. The uh, podcast is always around on uh, Google or Apple or what have you, and it is there. Thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. Uh, Coulter, we spent a fair amount of time on the Seattle Seahawks, but there is a barn burner on Monday Night Football between yeah, the buddy. second ranked team in the NFC North and the third, is it third or fourth ranked team in the NFC North? Third. Okay. The Bears hosting the Minnesota Vikings. The uh, Bears opened as a one and a half point favorite, which is crazy. The Vikings are now a two and a half point favorite in this game. I invite you to listen to the Make It Rainy podcast uh, where Coulter and I uh, have ourselves a very nice conversation about this football game yeah, that very ends nice, with very civil. me dominating. Uh, not one ounce. Only Ryan would sit here and talk about how terrible the Bears are terrible. ad nauseum terrible. for a full three months. And then just because they're playing the Vikings, he doubles back and says, oh, Bears all day, guaranteed lock of the week, not uh, I did not say lock of the week. Well, the, I did because the Vikings are the lock of the week. The <laughs> the Bears are terrible, um, and the Vikings have been surging. Uh, but what the Vikings can do one and only one thing well, and that's turn around and give the ball to Dalvin Cook. Well, it's a pretty what? good thing to do well. It is, but the Bears they they can stop that pretty well. And you know what the Bears are due. And I don't think this Bears team can be due. The Bears are due. And you if know, they keep th- if you they know do- who else is due? The Vikings. They've won two straight. They can't keep this they up. They should have won three straight, with not for that Seattle game. Can't keep this up. Uh, I, I hate the prospect of what you're saying because it's actually true. The Bears <laughs> will be able to stop the run more. That means that Kurt Cousins will have the ball in his hands more. That's bad. But if the Bears continue to do what they're doing, which is let Nick uh, Nick falls through the ball 53 times last year. What is that? Last Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. It's not a thing. We'll talk more about this game on Monday when it comes around tomorrow. Round two of the Masters. Bobby Houck, Mike Dugar, and a whole ton of fun with each and every one of you. We'll look forward to it. We'll see you then. It's 2 Tell Nuanas. It's ESPN Radio. Good night.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.